here we are. I'm sweating already and I haven't even started. And this is the first time that I've done this, so bear with me. And I'll tell you that the anxiety that I've faced leading up to today is not something that I'm accustomed to. But I've taken comfort in the fact that this will be the greatest sermon I have ever preached. (laughs) Well, today is Father's Day. And as a father of young children, it seems like all the books I read have big pictures and small words. And as we're shaped by our environment, the things around us, the sermon today is based on one of those books. And now, some of the books you read are nonsensical, some rhyme like songs, and most of them have happy endings. But the best ones are the ones that are based on God's Word, because after you're done with the book, when you're having the conversation with the kids, you can draw parallels between the story and, and God's Word and what it says, what God says about Himself and what He says about us. And when I can do that to your kids, to my kids, I feel like I'm getting a little bit right. And so this is a book like that. It's called It Will Be Okay, and maybe you're familiar with it if you have young kids. Or read a lot of books like that. But it's about, the story is about a little seed who lived in a cozy packet on a rickety shelf in a dusty shed. And there was a farmer that would come in every day and take some other seeds, take them out, and they would be gone. And and the little seed didn't want to be taken out of the shed. He liked where he was. And there was also a little fox that lived outside, and he was afraid of the storms and of shadows. And one day a storm came up, and he ran into the shed for shelter. Of course, the little seed and the fox became best friends. And the day finally came when the farmer came into the shed and picked up the little seed, and he said, I have a wonderful plan for you. And the little seed thought, no, please no, I don't want to go. And the farmer took the little seed outside to the spot he had picked out and pushed him down into the dirt and covered him over with soil. And the little seed was scared. 
It was dark. And it certainly wasn't his cozy packet on the shelf in the shed. And the little fox looked all over for the seed. He couldn't find him and finally he heard him calling there on the ground and he decided that he would stay right there with him, beside him. Day and night. And the little fox was scared. But every morning they would see that the seed had been watered and the farmer had left out some food for the fox. And the fox, day by day, wasn't quite so afraid of the dark shadows or the howling wind. And eventually the seed sprouted and began to grow. And the fox was there right by his side every day. And the little seed grew and he grew. And he finally grew into a big tree. And the little seed learned that he was never supposed to be, never supposed to, to remain a seed in a packet on a shelf in a shed. And the fox wasn't supposed to stay scared and alone. And they, they learned that the farmer who was watching over them was good and he was kind and he knew all along where they were supposed to be. And that's a pretty good story as far as kids' stories go. But the lesson in this book isn't just one for kids. Because the little seed and the scared fox, that's us. That was certainly me getting ready for today. I remember the meetings leading up to Roy's sabbatical. And when we were discussing who should fill the pulpit, you know, the idea flashed in my mind, well, the elders should be willing to fill the pulpit. Wait a minute, I'm an elder. <laughs> and when Paul Feeblecorn suggested that that be the case, it was like being tied up on the tracks and hearing the whistle. And when he turned and looked at me, it was like laser beams right through me. Man, I just wanted to do this. Because we like to be comfortable. We like our routine. We want our kids to be comfortable, certainly. We want life to be easy, if it can be. But the truth is that we get too comfortable. 
And what do I mean by that? Well, in the Gospels, Jesus said that to follow him, just a few examples, meant to deny yourself, to take up your cross, to give up the comforts of home, to forsake the priority of family, and to be subject to persecution. Now, what part of that sounds comfortable? Because God doesn't call us to be comfortable. He calls us to grow like the seed in the story. And growing for us is uncomfortable. If you'd open your Bibles to John chapter 15. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, teaching his disciples, teaching us today. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, wait a minute. What does he mean by every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away? If you keep going, down to verse 6. It says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. And Jesus is talking about hell. And that's real. And that's forever. And it's terrifying. And we say, but we're saved. We don't have to deal with that. We don't have to face that. You know someone who's lost, don't you? You love someone who's lost, don't you? That's terrifying. And not only that, he says, if I call myself a Christian and bear no fruit, then on Judgment Day, Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. You know, James says that faith without works is dead. But your works can't save you. But works bearing fruit is the evidence of a saving faith. 
That's a warning, and we better take it seriously. Now let's go back to the branches that do bear fruit. He says, those branches he prunes. So that they may bear more fruit. Now you know what pruning is. And when Paul was up here, he talked about how even now, God is hewing things out of his life. God is making less room, what he was saying, for Paul and more room for God in his life. That's pruning. And that hurts. That's uncomfortable. And we try and avoid it if we can. But God uses our discomfort to accomplish his will. Just think of examples in Scripture. What did God call Abraham to do? Uproot your family, leave your home, go to an unknown land. Trust me. And if that wasn't enough, remember that son I promised you? Sacrifice him to me. What did he call Moses to do? Go confront Pharaoh. Speak for a nation. Moses said, I can't talk. I'm not a speaker. What did Jesus have to go through? Think about Paul in the New Testament. Called to ministry with the people that he had persecuted. Scripture is full of people who were called into an uncomfortable place. And for what? What's the purpose? James chapter 1, verse 2 says that. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We've all heard that. We all know that testing, when it's tough for us, that's what makes our faith stronger. Going through that gets us closer to Christ. And God uses our discomfort to bring glory to himself. Because when we have to rely on him, that brings him glory. You know, we, we like to, we have this spot, and this is, this is our spot. This is what I'm good at. I can do this. And God says, I don't want you here, I want you there. 
okay, but I don't know how to do this. I'm not even sure that I can. Nope, I definitely can't. God, you've got to help me. And that's where he wants us. And what happens after a time, and it doesn't matter who you are, a pastor in a church or a kid in a Sunday school class, this, we start to settle in here and we think, this isn't so bad. Maybe I can do this. Yeah, this is all right. But God is always over here a little bit more. A little bit more. You know, in Scripture, talks about our journey of faith in the terms of running a race. Have you ever seen anybody run a race by standing in one spot? We've got to keep moving. I want to go back to that example of Abraham and Isaac. And we always think of that as God testing Abraham. That's what it, that's what it says. But do you think that God had to find out what Abraham was going to do? Do you think that God had to see just to be sure? God knew exactly what was going to happen. God knew Abraham's heart just like he knows ours. So why did he do that? Did Abraham have to find out himself? Maybe he wasn't sure of the depths of his faith? Maybe, a little bit. But what did that teach Isaac? What did Isaac learn about the faith of his father? God uses our discomfort to teach those around us and to show himself to those around us. So let me ask you, what are the people around you seeing when you're called to a challenging task? What do your coworkers and friends see? What does your family see? What do your children see? Do they see reluctance? 
Are you merely keeping up appearances? Do you like to complain and grumble? Or do they see the testimony of you relying on the strength of God when yours isn't enough? So let's get right down to where the rubber meets the road. What's the Holy Spirit calling you to do? What's that thing that he's putting his finger on you and saying, this right here? Maybe it's church membership. You'd be surprised by the amount of regular attenders that we have that aren't members of the church. If this is your church, then join it. And I would say that fathers have to be the ones to take the lead on this. Because how can you be the, the man that God is calling you to be, the leader God is calling you to be, if you're going to sit on the sidelines? Have you been intentionable, intentional about making the most of every opportunity? How's, how's that going? Have you been reaching out to the people that God's laid on your heart? Last week, we had the presentation about the Royal Family Kids Camp. And Stephanie was up here listing all of the ways that people could help. Was God stirring your heart? Maybe it's just coming to Sunday school. Maybe it's teaching Sunday school. Or even better, maybe just come into church. To make worship the priority over all the things that we try and replace it with. You know what that thing is for you.
You have felt it. God is showing you where you need to go. So why haven't you done it? In Romans, Paul speaks to exactly what I'm talking about. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, but I do what I hate to do. And then later on he says, For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. And that's sin. That's our sinful nature. Because we're afraid. We don't want to add another thing to the list that's already too long. Or we think that we might be exposed for who we really are. We're like the thorny ground that chokes out the seed. Because we let the cares of this world drown out God's call in our lives. But like Paul said two weeks ago when he was up here, too often we act like earthly beings having a spiritual experience when really we're spiritual beings having an earthly experience. God knows who you are. And God sees you as the person he calls you to be, as who you will become. And he's calling you to it. He didn't make you to stay in a cozy packet on a, sh- on a shelf in a shed. You've got to get down in the dirt. You've got to get where it's uncomfortable. And it might be scary, and you might think you're alone, and it might not make sense to you. But that's where God is. And it's time that we start to grow. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. 
If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.